1: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I was joined by legendary Astros broadcaster, Greg Lucas, once again, and we had an amazing conversation. I know you are going to enjoy it. We talked about the effects of the coronavirus on our real lives, as well as the sporting world. We discussed the Astros roster, whether or not some people are going to be around in a few years. And then the real fun started when I asked him about his experience making the movie Glory Road. So you're going to want to stick around all the way till the end and check that out. It's really good. So anyway, sit back, relax, and enjoy my amazing conversation with Astros legend Greg Lucas. Hey guys, thanks for joining me here on this episode of Astros Baseball. Today we have a special guest joining us once again, Astros legendary broadcaster, uh, Greg Lucas. Sir, welcome to the show once again. I appreciate you joining me again.
0: Well, it's great to be back with you. Uh, Certainly, uh, we have a, a number of things to
1: talk about without any games. That's the sad part. Yeah, that's true. Um... Yeah, so I, I don't know, like, uh, so you you live in Houston area, right? Right, I still live in Houston, yeah. So I just read a tweet earlier from someone that I uh, interact with on there, and, and she was saying that there was 49 cases of the coronavirus in Houston already, and the number's going to grow because they just started testing on Monday. So this is getting pretty serious.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't seen the numbers yet, but uh, I know that uh, all the all the government officials that uh, have, have spoken every, pretty much every day say that uh, Americans should not be, cons- not be concerned is the wrong word. Not be surprised if the numbers don't go up uh, significantly uh, when the testing starts, because there are probably more uh, people uh, with the uh, virus, at least, than uh, than we really know. Uh, and, uh, I know that, uh, in the Houston area, there were, uh, for a long time, there were about nine, I think, or 19, I think it was, and, uh, that had been confirmed. And, uh, so getting up there to that number is not a surprise.
1: So where, uh, where you're living right now, do you have the same problem we're having here, uh, with everyone buying up all the toilet paper? Uh,
0: yeah, and that continues to be a, a quandary that i find hard to believe why that's a necessity, I mean, it's nice, but uh, food is kind of more important than, uh, than toilet paper when there's other ways to take care of yourself if you get, uh, get, uh, get what I mean. But yeah, yeah. that's happening, and uh, the water and uh, bread is one that's another one that amazes me because bread uh, does get stale. Uh, unless you have yeah. a lot of freezers, You the right. freezers to freeze it, but this, you know, bread and meat, they only, they only last so long. So I, I'm not sure why hoarding that makes sense, but people are doing
1: it. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I went to the store the other day and I was able to get everything I needed, but the only thing they didn't have was toilet paper, but luckily we don't need that here. My wife took care of that before all of this started.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a uh, my wife and I have not bought anything out of the usual, we've been to the store, the store that we go to near nearby there too, there's an ATB, there's a Randall's, they're both pretty close, and they, when we've gone them the last uh, week, uh, it's been pretty much normal traffic, uh, not, uh, not a bunch of people, uh, buying a bunch of things, it, I think they put limits, uh, on some items to no more than two right. per purchase, so that, that solves the hoarding a little bit, but, uh, you know, bread is low or out, uh, but that's replenished by the next day. Uh, eggs or something that a couple stores have been a little low on. Uh, oh, and water, uh, which, uh, okay, that's fine. I I don't use bottled water. i just got filters in my refrigerator and a couple of the sinks and out in the water uh, softening thing got a filter, so I don't use bottled water, so uh, I don't have to worry about that. But, yeah, it is, it is, uh, it is sort of uh, troubling because it's only been a week, since uh, the country has really started uh, emphasizing all of this stuff, and we've done a lot in a week, we've dropped the stock market down to about nothing. We've uh, <laughs> airlines are not flying uh, much, and uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's been quite a job. But hopefully, all of these uh, hopefully all of these uh, precautions people are taking will actually pay off in the end by having the uh, the uh, disease itself uh, have a shorter life here in this country.
1: Yeah, I hope so, too. I know I got home from work today, and uh, it was on the news. The mayor here was speaking on the news, saying the restaurants were shut down to, like, drive-through and delivery or whatever, and uh, the bars are closed. A lot of things are closed, and they're trying to do their best to, uh, you know, to control this thing, so that that's good. Well,
0: any anything that gathers people is what they're trying to close, uh, but not close the basic in other words these people who these companies that deliver food are going to be making a killing and uh, yeah. drive-ins uh, drive-ins for fast food restaurants will still should be open that the line may get longer than normal but uh, they should still be open and so you can get what you need it's not like a, a, a tornado or hurricane which wipes out the poor for days and so on and so forth right. this is not like that so hopefully uh, everyone will adjust I know we're having to adjust with sports because we don't have any. <laughs>
1: I, that i was getting to uh getting ready to segue into that uh, it's uh this thing has already wiped out uh the uh what do they call it the final four the big tournament the whole tournament
0: yeah the whole tournament
1: so it yeah. wiped out all of the uh championship uh tournaments the uh what do they call it, conference well, championships? Well, the, conference, the conference
0: tournaments and the regular tournament. Yeah, they're The going. whole
1: tournament, there's no Final Four for men, for uh-huh. women. There's no College World Series, no Softball World Series. It, it has stopped everything. And I'm not sure about NBA and NHL. Are they just taking a break? They haven't given up completely, have they? No,
0: they have not. They, they both are in kind of a – actually, they are probably what – Well, I'm not saying the colleges should have done anything different because they are, in fact, colleges first and foremost. And you know, if they close the colleges themselves, they can't very well still be playing uh, sports. Uh, But uh, at the same time, uh, the National Hockey League, uh, the NBA, and even Major League Baseball, they just don't know when they may resume, but they all three are hoping. I'm not sure if expecting is the right word, but they're all three hoping to be able to either finish what they started or start what they haven't at some point in the next uh, oh a couple of months at the most that's what they hope.
1: Yeah, they started. Uh, MLB started with a uh, a two week, and it's already uh-huh. now they uh, the last thing I read is that they won't even be able to tell you, they won't even have an idea of when it's going to start.
0: No, they can't yet. I mean, we've heard May speculated. We've heard uh, maybe the end of May, and obviously a shortened, uh, fewer-game season. We've heard uh, uh, the NBA uh, uh, possibly finishing the season and then the playoffs, but they may have to just forego finishing, and whoever the top teams are as of the date they stop playing the regular season are going to be the ones in the playoffs. But uh, I think they all uh, have not given it up yet. They just want to make sure that uh, uh, you know things are cool for them to restart, and that you know that's that's a question. That is still a question.
1: So, in all of your years of covering and watching sports, have you ever seen anything like this?
0: Oh no! I mean, I was I was active with the Astros when nine uh, eleven happened, and I was. Uh, uh, active with the Astros when uh, Ike uh, uh, came through uh, this part of the you know country and, and Houston and the uh, club had to go on the road and and play uh, some games against the Cubs in the so-called neutral Milwaukee, which was a joke. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and that was in 08. And then uh, uh, I never forgot us uh, having to get to the downtown to catch the bus uh, to the airport, and it was just desolation all the way down, and some of our people couldn't uh, make it down. They're the ones that lived in the woodlands, and so they actually just caught up with us at Intercontinental Airport. And when we got on the uh, runway, uh, we were the only plane. Uh, everything else was either gone or parked uh, because the airport was, was actually closed, except this was a chartered flight, and I'll never forget that. And of course, 9-11, uh, the fact that uh, everything had to stop for a period of days until they knew exactly where things were. So I, I remember those two things and, of course, some of the hurricanes where we had some power out for a while. But uh, nothing, anything like uh, this indecisiveness that we have with the uh, coronavirus. Uh, uh, we, it's just so indecisive. That's the, that's the thing that I think uh, affects most of us.
1: Yeah, I was just wondering because, I mean, as far as I can remember, I've never, I I can't recall any time where like complete college sports just stop.
0: No, well, as far as stopping everything from everybody, no, this this has just never happened before. This has never happened before, and knock on wood, hopefully, never happens again <laughs> because uh, no, this is a. Uh, this is, you know, total stoppage. Total stoppage. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's just not happened. I don't even think it stopped. Actually, it didn't even stop in World War II. Oh, if you remember, the uh, yeah. baseball teams were playing throughout World War II, and uh, the football teams and college teams played. Everybody played. But uh, this was, uh, it would have obviously stopped had the war actually taken place on our soil, but it didn't, uh, and so consequently, nothing nothing was halted.
1: So. What year was the strike? Was it in '94?
0: Uh, that was the uh, most recent big one. Yeah, '94. It was the one that cut the uh, uh, you know the season got uh, shortened. It, it was '94. You know what? These are all running together. I've been around long enough. Yeah. I remember the ones in the '80s. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was uh, yeah, it was '94 because there was no World Series, and, and then then '95 got started late. Yeah, I was around for that too. I'm Mally, you mentioned it. Uh, I was. Uh, involved with baseball then too and and, uh, had some memories of that so yeah there have been some stoppages and been some delays but there's never anything like this
1: yeah so in 94 who were you working with
0: that was with the uh, that was the last year with the Rangers Uh, we uh, our season got shortened we got uh, my greatest memory was actually about a week before that when I called the play-by-play on Kenny Rogers perfect game and then a week later they went out and that was it for the season. And then night 95, I had actually uh, started doing some work with the Astros. 94 was the last year, even though it was shortened with the Rangers in 95, I started doing some work with the Astros and actually uh, worked the first game. Um, worked at least one game. I know when they were using replacement players. And then I was in San Diego for it when they opened the season in 95. So I, I kind of started it with one team and and began it again with another.
1: What year were they using replacement players? They started the next year with them.
0: Ninety-five. They actually had some replacement players uh, that were uh, uh, they were ready to start the season with them. They actually were still playing exhibition games with them, and uh, they were going to start the season with them. And then at the last minute, uh, they settled. And then they took about a week or so for some kind of a spring training, and then they started. Yeah. That will be the interesting thing here: exactly what kind of time they will take uh, to actually get baseball going into regular season games again when they're given the okay to start. Right. Um, pitchers are the hardest part; people to get in shape that fast. The hitters doesn't take that long, but the pitchers it does take a little time, and they may have to uh, they may have to do a lot of these three inning starts. Three innings, three innings, three innings two, until the guy's arms are back in condition.
1: Right. I, I don't remember how old I was, but I I remember the uh, when the NFL had a strike and they were playing with scabs. That's what what you just said kind of brought that memory up for me.
0: Yeah, they they did, and of course they missed a whole lot of games one year. I I uh, that that's they're safe in that because they just signed their new. Uh, Uh, bargaining deal with the union and the owners and they're set through 2030 now so that football you don't have to worry about except what we're worrying about right now whether or not this will affect football
1: yeah i was just thinking uh that would be crazy if the uh if this would have happened during football season because football season is a big deal well, it, yeah, and uh, they
0: play so many fewer games. Each game has more importance, and and you know if you miss uh, three or four weeks, uh, you probably can't make it up. And uh, you know the value of a championship is lessened the fewer games you play. So that's uh, right.
1: that's uh, that would be a problem. So in '94, when they had the strike, because I w- I wasn't. I was probably like a younger man that probably, you know, I didn't really pay attention to a lot of stuff, had other things on my mind. But uh, I remember the strike, but how? what did they do? They just ended the season and were their division they had champions? A pre, they,
0: they, had a pre, they had a predetermined, uh, no, there was no champion there because they had no World Series. They just, uh, they didn't have, uh, you know,
1: no ending. But were people, were teams division champions at least? Or It just, everything was white. No, out.
0: they, no, since they didn't finish, they didn't have anything. They just they didn't finish.
1: And that was the year uh, so Bagwell won the MVP?
0: That was. Now he, he was lucky in a way because mm-hmm. he had broken his hand about a week before the strike and he probably would have missed the rest of the season anyway. And if anybody else had gotten hot, uh, they might have been able to overtake him. But he, he had a tremendous season. He had the three sixties and he had Forty plus home runs, I believe it was, and a hundred oh, bunch of RBIs. So yeah. it would have been hard for anybody to, to uh, best him with the year he had, even though he did miss the last. Uh, he would have missed the last part of it uh, because of that broken hand.
1: Okay, so going back to this season, so so we're down right now. Nothing's happening, and uh, but part of me is thinking that. Some of this is good for the Astros and some of it is bad. Uh a couple I mean,
0: of it's, a, Yeah, it's good in, in regard to Verlander, it's good.
1: Yeah, you have you have Verlander who just had groin surgery and you also have Jordan Alvarez who's having knee issues, so it's going to give both of them time to heal up. We're not it, hopefully we won't have to play without either one of them. So I mean those are good things, but there's a lot of bad things also. I'm sure that what these guys have been going through, they just want this season to start and they just want to get through it.
0: I'm I'm sure that's the case. And whether or not this uh, will dampen some of the uh, negative enthusiasm from other fans, I doubt. Once they start playing again, they'll still hear the same stuff from the, the sidelines. But I believe you're right. I think once they start playing every day, because you got to remember, in spring training, most of the regular guys aren't playing every day anyway. They're playing maybe two to maybe three games a week uh, and that's about all the other other guys are and they're filling guys on some of these other games so they're really not uh, they're not getting worn out in spring training but uh, no they're ready they were the hitters were pretty much ready to go and uh, they still had a couple weeks to go before they were, the regular start was going to be but yeah burlander getting some extra time won't hurt uh, actually any of the older players getting extra time won't hurt because it'll give them less mm. time they're gonna have to play. Frankly, they're going to have fewer games. So, uh, yeah, and everyone's in the same boat. That's the other thing. Every yeah. team's the same boat. Standings all start at zero and zero for everybody. So uh, whether or not the season is 144 games, 154 games, 125 games, depending on when they get started, everyone's in the same boat.
1: Yeah, it's looking like it could be 80 games.
0: Well, they'd be on the same boat there, too.
1: So another thing I thought of that the, this temporary layoff could help the Astros is Lance McCullers Jr. being on a pitch count.
0: Uh, yeah, it'll it'll also give him more time on the side to do more throwing, get his arm strong without overextending it like you might do in a regular game. So uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's also a good advantage. He can uh, he can come back uh, a little bit. Uh, he may be a little bit more close to. Full gear once they do start because he he will have been able to throw a lot more over the next few weeks uh, without having game stre- uh, stress behind him. So yeah, it could it could help him.
1: Um. So the last time me and you talked, uh, it was right before uh, they had announced. Well, it wasn't before they announced it, but they had announced that uh, the uh, Jim Crane had announced that the team is going to apologize at spring training. And I remember you saying that they shouldn't do it, and they did. And my opinion is that it did not go well.
0: Well, it did. Actually, the one who was the best, he wasn't really apologizing, the guy who did the best job was Correa. Yeah. Uh, when, first of all, he defended three of his teammates in uh, Altuve, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, well, of course, Kemp is gone now, but he said so the guys that were not, and Reddick and saying they did not take any of the – they didn't want him to bang when they were batting. They didn't want it. And, uh, in fact, in Altuve's case, I think the guy who tried to keep track of the trash can banging at home games uh, indicated that they hardly ever did bang it when he was playing. They probably did that because they forgot that he didn't want it. Uh, And and, and Correa, by doing that, essentially admitted that he – he used the help yes. when it was there, because yes. he's, he just mentioned three teammates didn't. Right. And, and I think that was more of a, uh, a beneficiary. And, and the other thing is, I didn't want him to come in and start explaining it. Like, okay, yes, we had a guy banging in trash cans in 19, uh, 2017. uh we've heard it later, that we couldn't really use it in the World Series because we couldn't hear him. Right. Uh, and of course, we could only use it at, at home anyway because you couldn't do it on the road. You didn't have access to the same video and, and so on and so forth. Uh, and uh, then, of course, uh, the, you know, but they didn't go into that long explanation. They just let it go with what they had. And uh, and let it go. The fans that are getting on them, they don't care whether the guy shoot. They boo guys that are on the team that weren't even here in twenty seventeen. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, Bradley gets it. Bradley wasn't here then, yeah. and uh, you know, a uh, bunch of other guys. And so uh, it's it's it'll it'll pass. And I think the guys that are going to hear it the most are the veteran big
1: names, and they're, they'll be able to handle it. Yeah, they're booing uh, people that weren't even on the team. They're booing people that were in the minor leagues. And, uh-huh. oh, and yeah. they're not even booing the people that were doing it, that are playing for other well, teams. And, and
0: I, I don't think they're booing them, the, the guys that have moved on. Like, yeah. I, I want to see, are they going to boo Gonzales? Are they going to boo, uh, gonna boo uh, some of these other guys that are on other teams? Because they were using it in 2017. Yeah, Just because they aren't on the Astros anymore, shouldn't make a difference.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're as far as I can tell, they're not getting booed. Jake Marisnik is in New York. J.D. Yeah. Davis yeah. was part of the seventeen. He he got some bangs, uh, and but they're not getting booed. So basically, kind of like Seinfeld, they're just booing laundry. That's
0: what. Well, that's, exactly, that's exactly it. You got it exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. So we'll just have to see how it turns out. I mean, I it'll be very hard for them to be – well, that'll probably be impossible because they won't play 162 games. But
1: right.
0: it will be very hard for them to have the same one-loss percentage as they did last year, which, of course, resulted in 107 wins. But that isn't going to mean uh, they're going to be successful. They'll still be one of the best teams in, uh, in the league, even though uh, the pitching is one superstar less than it was a year ago. They've got some, they got some guys with good arms. Uh, and they've got a couple of veterans at the top, so I, I they're going to win a lot of games.
1: Yeah. So going back to what I was asked, what, what I was asking just a second ago about the apology, what I was referring to was uh, when uh, Altuve and Bregman went up there with to the podium with the uh, papers and they apologized. I, that's the part that I didn't think went very well. I thought when no, they just didn't. interviewed the guys in the locker room. Like Correa, I think Correa did phenomenal, and he gained a lot of fans uh, by do by saying the things that he did. But I just think the, you know, the podium apologies didn't go over very well at all.
0: No, I I agree. It was just a very weak apology. It was almost like uh, Crane felt, well, let's get him out here and have him say something. And, and these are two of our leaders, but they didn't really say anything. They, you know, yeah. They just said, uh, you know, we're going to move on from here, and all that sort of stuff, and punishment has been levied, and that's true. And actually, I sort of, I sort of agree with that. Point is, they were hit with a penalty. They were fired, They will lose uh, some, you know, traffic. They will be. Uh, uh, they fired their manager. They fired their general manager. Uh, it'll hit. It'll. It'll affect the team. That's a punishment. And, uh, the other thing is I, I know enough, I'll I'll say a lot, but I know a lot of baseball history and we, we who follow baseball history know this was not the first team to ever do this. This was not even the first team to use electronic means. 1896, Cleveland Indians ran a line with a buzzer into the coach's box at home and uh, the coach could stand there and someone with binoculars would look in and he'd push a button, one beep or one electric jolt was a fastball two was a curve or whatever that's 1896 plus we've had many cases since then of people using binoculars and uh, and television cameras and 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 uh the scoreboard i mean it's just that they got caught and they're guilty and they were they were punished should yeah. be the end of the story if they'd been the first team that ever thought of something like this that would be a different case but they certainly were not they just figured
1: out another way to do it. Yeah, that's just one thing uh, these people won't stop talking about. But that's one thing that I was saying about the coronavirus issue is uh, the platform for these guys to complain is kind of going away. And uh, I, I don't know if it'll lose steam when, they get, when they're when they able to start booing again. But, I mean, I don't think it will. No, I don't think it will either.
0: I, I think they'll, the people who like to boo will in the stands booing when they play their first game on the road. I think, I don't think, I think it'll ever go away.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean,
0: it'll go away after the season's over, but, uh, or, you know, but it, it'll be with them. They'll be, they'll be letter people. One to yell at them for the rest of their, rest of their career. Uh, the, the one area they may get hurt in some respect is, they could get hurt in some respect, our player awards mm-hmm. at the end of seasons. Those are the players vote for. Uh, if you have to break a tie and one of the guys is an astro uh they may have a tough time getting some of those votes
1: yeah uh, i agree but
0: those are awards those are awards i don't worry about awards that much
1: yeah if they're going to if they're going to want to win anything anything they're going to have to uh you know win a batting title or Hit the most homers, yeah, know, or yeah, right? It's
0: not, yeah, leave the league at homers, win a batting title, MDP, stuff like that. They may have a tough time on those, but uh, all star mm-hmm. game, uh, well, fan, fan all star game votes too. Don't forget, uh, yeah, they may have a tough time getting a whole lot of votes, uh, from the fans for all star game starting positions too, uh, because they'll fans in other cities do a lot of voting and they just won't vote for Astros, but we'll see how that turns. Let's have a season first.
1: Yeah, so you brought up a good point there about, I mean, uh, you talked about the All-Star game or making the All-Stars. I mean, I wonder how how much of the season they would cut into that they probably just wouldn't even have any kind of All-Star break.
0: I I think that is a possibility which they will no doubt have to talk about. I think you're right. That's going to depend, I think, almost entirely on when they finally can play their first game. Uh, because you're right, they could save three days right there if they uh, don't have an All-Star break. And if they start late, uh, the rest factor of the All-Star game wouldn't be quite as important since they would have started the season later anyway. So, yeah, that I think that's something that will be discussed by Major League Baseball uh, once they know when they're going to start
1: again. Yeah, something that also that came out today is, uh, maybe it didn't come out today, but the, uh, the teams are starting to... Uh, D- donate money to help out the uh, the ballpark workers that aren't going to be making any money that rely on that. That's uh, that's very
0: good. I noticed several players have gotten involved in that, and that's that's really good because these those guys, a lot of those clubhouse workers, just the clubhouse workers, the guy that work in the clubhouse, those bat boys, the assistant bat boys, the clubhouse guys, they make a lot of their money, the young guys, not the, not the head clubhouse guy, but the uh, all the guys that work with him, they make a lot of their money off pits. And uh, they uh, aren't getting any from the players because they aren't around and there aren't any games, and so that's really good. And the same thing with the, uh, the stadium workers who basically, uh, that's part-time, but for a lot of the older guys, that's that's where they make what money they have. Uh, from uh, concession stand work and concession things. And so, no, I think it's very admirable because in this world, as you know, more and more people are working at, a, at part-time jobs or jobs that do not have full coverages from employers, uh, and they may have two or three of them. And those jobs are the first ones that disappear in a situation like this. So I'm glad that the, the players uh, are are thinking of those guys
1: right and gal yeah. yeah so right now i'm fortunate that i have a good job uh, where they take care of us they announced today that they're going to shut the plant down on monday and tuesday so they can clean it up real good for us but we're not shutting down yet i work at the toyota plant we build the tundras over there
0: yeah, yeah. well it still need still need uh if they did it would only be because of the number of people that are in proximity with each other, I presume, because obviously they need to, we need to keep building uh, products, Uh, but uh, if they thought uh, we had too many people in too much proximity for this, that part, I I honestly am confident that part of this is going to be the first to pass, uh, that they're going to decide, well, there's really nothing going on here. And it seems to be lessening out in the rest of the country, so we can start up again, uh, and uh, and uh, keeping using the you know the procedures that they're they're going with the extra cleaning, the extra hand washing, and all that stuff. And I, I think that I'm optimistic enough that we will not be in the strictest uh, uh, control uh, within a couple of weeks. I honestly think unless all of a sudden the the number of cases just zooms up in this country and i just don't think it's going to zoom up it'll it'll still
1: rise for a while but i just don't expect that zoom okay well we need to take a quick break because i'm only allowed to record 30 minutes at a time which gives us time for the sponsor there the commercial in the middle but uh got a few more things to ask you but anyway folks we'll be right back with greg lucas all right, folks, we are back. And uh, Mr. Lucas, i want to go back to one little segment when we were talking about Carlos Correa. Uh, last year, you know, he was kind of the butt of the jokes with being hurt and the way he got hurt with the massage and people have stuff to talk about his personal life and all of this. But, like, when you were talking about how he defended his teammates – he really upped his stock as far as being a fan favorite this year. And so I just wanted to point that out a little bit.
0: Well, I agree. I, I do. I, he got a lot of positive uh, comment from that. And I'll tell you what, though, all the negative he gets from people like, oh, he should be on the trade block and this, so on. What did we get for him? I, I just I think that's being very short sighted. The uh, He is, when healthy, the best shortstop. In the American League, and I would say all of baseball, but I don't watch the National League as much.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, he's got the great, the best arm. He's got great range, and now I haven't even talked about him as a hitter. When he's healthy, he's a thirty home run guy, hundred RBI guy when healthy, and a guy's going to hit to two eighty to three hundred if he's healthy. Now that's an if, and that's why this season, whether it's short or not, causing probably something else. Uh, he has to get through it healthy. If he gets through it healthy, he is in line to be made a very wealthy person by the Houston Astros, and uh, that would be, I'd be all for that. I would be all for that, but he's got to have a healthy 2020. Otherwise, we'll hear the same old story about he would be on the trade block uh, for other things they may need. I, don't, I hope that never comes to be the
1: case. So do you think the Astros have another big contract left in them?
0: I, well, they do, and I, I, I. it may be at the expense of George Springer, of course, because they signed him to a one-year uh, extension uh, in lieu of arbitration, and next year he has to be a, a free agent, and so somebody of those two is probably not going to get one, but we will have to wait and see on that, because don't forget, in two years, both the uh, huge contract with... Uh, Verlander uh, is gone, and his number two running or his number one running back, Granky, is gone. So right. they will have a they may have a major pitching weakness by then, but they will have money. So it's possible those two guys could both be signed to long term deals. Uh, but uh, whatever the case is, both of them have to have good years. But as far as uh, uh, Carlos is concerned, his has to be a healthy year too.
1: Yeah, with uh, George Springer, I always felt like there is no way. That we we're going to keep them. But if you look at it, uh, Michael Brantley, I think he makes about 15, and uh, J- Josh Reddick makes about 15, and they're going to be off the books next year. So the money's there. But eventually, yeah. I mean, but I've always said, I mean, you can have all the hitting in the world, like the Angels are going to have this year, but you've got to have pitching. Oh, absolutely. And so that's why in two years, it's
0: going to be a, uh, it would have been a big question anyway, because those two guys are getting old, uh, Berlander and Greinke. So they're going to have to be replaced one way or the other. And so uh, you can hold on to your young guys, but what is crucial also for this Astro franchise is the minor leagues. They have not developed as many players that are pushing for starting jobs as much as they would like. I'll use Tucker as the best example. He is not pushing statistically or accomplishment uh, from an accomplishment standpoint as hard to get in the lineup as the fans would have liked and I think the organization would have liked. Um, And the best example is comparing it to Alvarez. Alvarez, when he came here, was ready to hit. I didn't come here ready to play defense because of the knee and also because he's not going to be a great defensive outfielder anyway but he took advantage of the situation and pushed his way through. Fans really want Tucker to do that. He has not. They also would like Whitley to do that from a pitching standpoint and he has not. So it's uh it's <sighs> The system may not be as deep as it has been in past years, and there may be a little more difficulty in coming up with the guys they have to have when they have to have them. And uh, that uh, that should be something that I think the front office has to be a little concerned with.
1: Yeah, so if, if the guys work out, the pitchers that we have, I think we can sign these guys, but they have to work out. you got Whitley. I mean, I don't know where he's going. I, I, I saw him last year pitch. Back
0: minor leagues and he's gonna to have to show him something. They have not done well, as you recall, with the last two years and less two times they've had uh first round pitchers uh, that they drafted, both of them. well the Whitley's still around, but their previous guy never made it. Uh and uh <laughs> and Whitley is not showing he's got strength in the arm, much more arm strength than uh yeah. Their, their previous failure, but they he's just not getting it done. He's not getting guys out enough, and he's uh, he's not showing them what they want to see. But it's too early. He's still very young. He was very young, so uh, we'll just see what he does. But I, he's probably going to have to play at least another year in the minor leagues. I like uh, Valdez if he has control. His ball really moves as a pitcher. Mm-hmm. I like uh, I like um, um, uh, Urquidy. I like what I saw from him. I like James. Uh, his arm is really good. Now, he's not been stretched out to be a starter in the major leagues uh, mm-hmm. until this year. But I really like his his velocity and his uh, so. Those three guys are, you know, they're going to have to do it in the major leagues. But from what I have seen, I like all three of them. Yeah, and and of course McCullers, uh, assuming he bounced back to what he was. Uh, with maybe just a tad better control, uh, he's got a live arm too. So I, this pitching staff, starting pitching staff, I'm uh, I'm pretty confident with. And the rest of the bullpen, I, I, I like too. So I'm not that terribly worried about the pitching staff, even though having Cole around would have sort of been nice. But yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not terribly down on the rest of them.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it was either a couple episodes ago, I had written down the uh, – there's like six Astros pitchers that haven't allowed a run yet, you know, in spring training. I mean, it's over now, but Josh James and uh, there's a lot of guys that you had just mentioned that are all doing good. Brian Abreu, he's doing phenomenal. Christian Javier. Those two guys are covers off the farm,
0: a club that could uh, could certainly find themselves uh, in the starting pitcher role for the Astros uh, before the season goes too long, or maybe even before it starts. Uh, I mean, they need either one of those two guys. Have it so there, there's some there's some guys, and that's without counting Forrest Whitley for anything. That's that's yeah. the guys that have jumped around him. So yeah, there's there's some guys down there, uh, regular position guys uh, and outfielders. Uh, they may have some guys that have potential, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. And There has to be a spot for them, and right now there's not a spot for any guy in the farm system to play third, mm-hmm. short, second, or first, or left, or center, or right. There's just no spot open. Uh, maybe right, but uh, you still got Reddick, so uh, we'll see if Tucker or Reddick share it or if Tucker can win it and Reddick ends up getting traded. We'll just have to wait and see on that as we get closer to the season.
1: Yeah, this is Reddick and Michael Brantley's last season. If they don't re sign them, then you can have Tucker out there. I think Miles Straw will be okay, and then if you keep Springer, those three guys will be out there. But I just don't think. It's just my opinion that Springer's going to be like 32 years old and he's going to want seven, eight, or nine years. And it's just not something the Astros are going to do, in my opinion. It's just...
0: Uh, he's not going to... He may want seven or eight, but by the time he his <laughs> next contract's up, he is just now 30, I believe. And so, uh, oh, okay. if they signed him to the right three- or four-year contract, uh, he probably would never leave here because uh, by that time, uh, his... Uh, his skills surely would be fading a little bit. Uh, right now, he's still in the prime of his career, usually up from 28 to 32 is what statistics tend to show.
1: Right. And if uh, he's 30, and
0: so uh, that gets you, if you sign him to three with four-year option, uh, they wouldn't have to go seven. No, if it got to be somebody wanting seven, the Astros will never do that. It, it just isn't feasible. Some teams do it anyway, but it's not really smart once you get up to that age to go that long, uh, but uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see. I, I, I have a tendency to think that uh, uh, some of those guys you mentioned, uh, well, Tucker's still, I'm not counting him yet cause I got to see it yeah. and, uh, and, and straw really didn't provide any power at all, which you'd really like in an outfielder. He is more a perfect fourth outfielder, emergency shortstop, second baseman, right. base stealer type guy. He's a perfect guy to have on the roster. Not too much different than Mariznick, yeah. As far as you know, he's got some shortcomings and some positives, but I, I don't see him as a guy that you'd really want to have as a everyday regular player. If you're a, if you're a championship caliber team, but we'll see. We'll see about that.
1: Yeah, if they can get Alvarez ready to play outfield, I think you have Taylor Jones. He, he's looking pretty good as well. So I mean, they have some some young good players. I, I saw a story about, last they, week. They like-
0: them prospects, but they're all suspects until they do it in the big leagues. And that's uh, I don't go. That's why I never go crazy over minor league uh, minor league players. When they come up, they may have had great numbers down there, but unless they've hit three, unless they've been like Altuve was when he was in the minor leagues, being three, three ninety. Yeah. Uh, you got to show me what you're going to do in the big. There Alvarez even uh, the beginning of last year. You got to really show me. You got to be dominating down there uh, to give me a feeling that maybe you can do it up here. Now, there's guys that develop, actually guys that become better in the major leagues. But uh, they still haven't, until they do that, they haven't proven anything. And uh, so we'll just have to wait and see all those guys.
1: Yeah, the uh, Kyle Tucker had had a 30-30 season last year, and he, he did pretty decent in September when they called him up, way better than the first time he came up. Uh well he didn't do much, but yeah, <laughs> might have
0: been a little he, his his batting average and his strikeouts are, are what bother me is yeah. his strikeout totals are very high and his batting average over the last couple of years has actually dropped, which means he's been getting on base less. Uh but once he gets on, you're right, he can steal a base and he's got a chance of hitting the ball out of the park. So uh and I'd also have to see him hit more uh in a key role because these big league pitchers, as we saw with Alvarez, these big league pitchers. When they find out where it is, they can throw it. but you don't hit it very well, they'll throw it there. And I, I, we saw that with Alvarez yeah. uh, a lot of season and the end of last season. He was hitting 350 for a and, you know, plus all the home runs for about the first three or four weeks he was up, and then he drifted off quite a bit uh, as they they learned what he didn't hit and what he did hit and where he couldn't hit it. Big league pitchers don't miss those spots very often, and uh, and and he's going to have to see what adjustments he has figured
1: out during the offseason. Right. So what? Hey. Yeah, they, they definitely figured them out a little bit. So the Astros hired the general manager, James click. That's my next topic for you. Oh. And I was thinking that how they have all the money tied up in four guys right now, you know, and there, and you have Springer and Correa coming up. Um, I, what do you think about him being the uh, new GM? I, I was okay with it. I think if we're going to have to build a team with lesser players that co- that don't cost as much, that this guy's already pretty good at it. Well,
0: he is, but I don't think Jim, I don't think Jim Crane has that intention at all. He he is not uh, he's not the uh, McLean. He's not past Astros owners. He'll spend money. Uh, he's just not going to spend it. Uh, what? is deemed as unwisely. Uh, that's why I said with Springer, they'll give him a four year contract offer. And it'll be a good one. Yeah. They won't give him seven because they know that's, that's silly. That's stupid. That's dumb. But they'll give him a four, <laughs> four year contract offer that uh, is solid. And I, in, in Correa's case, he could get a seven, uh, if he stays healthy because he's, he's only 25 years old, Yeah, but uh, not Springer. And so, um, but, but, but they'll spend money. They, they spent, uh, they spent a lot of money on uh, on Bradley's contract. They spent a ton of money on the their two top pitchers. Right. Uh, and uh, so, no, uh, this is not the old Astros. Jim Crane is, uh, is running this team like a major market uh, franchise that it is, and it's shown up with a one-loss record the last uh, four or five years.
1: I guess more what I meant by that was you have Bregman and Altuve, and I think uh, – Verlander and Grinke, that's over a hundred million just for those four guys. And they're already over the tax limit. And I know what I've read that they don't want to be up there. So they're well, gonna remember, they're gonna he
0: didn't, have, he didn't have to spend another cent this year. Yeah. He's done this year. Uh, Springer is arbitrary. They already arbit you know, they agreed on a twenty was uh, a twenty uh, plus million dollar deal for one year. And, uh, and Brantley and uh, and Reddick don't have to be here next year. So there's money that's gone. Uh, Springer doesn't have to be here next year. yeah. Uh, so, no, they, they know what they're doing with the money. Uh, I don't think I'd worry about that. And and the other two, the two pitchers, they're both going to be gone after the year, two years from now, yeah. uh, after they got two more years out of them. And they're both going to be gone. So they, they can manage their money around some of that stuff, even if it's uh, in part with the contracts that have, bigger tail end and start. In other words, right. you can sign a four year contract for uh, uh, Springer and he gets paid less the first because he's, they still got the two pitchers on the books for the second year. They're off and his salary can then jump up on that contract. So there's a lot of ways they can do it.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully they do. I, I, I really think uh, Springer's the heart of the team. Um, what else do I got here? Um, so, yeah, I'm happy with the James Click. I don't know if they had hired Dusty Baker or not. I think we talked about that last time, but I, I'm okay with that. I kind of figured that's what they were going to do, get get someone, get a veteran, a well-respected guy there.
0: Well, and, and it's not long-term. I mean, if he wins a World Series this year, he'll come back for the second year. But if they don't win the World Series or they have a disappointing finish, uh, they'll be looking for another manager a little more long-term. But I think from the circumstance they're in, uh, with this uh, way they're going to be received by a lot of teams around the league and players, having like a veteran guy like uh, Dusty, who not only has been a, a great long-term manager, but was a great player when he was a player, I thought it was a pretty smart move. I don't, they didn't need to hire uh, their bench coach uh, this year. I suspect he may be the manager in waiting right. uh, after Dusty been manager for a year or two and i i, I suspect uh, then they'll be able to stay pretty much in house but uh, we'll see how that turns out i thought dusty baker under the circumstances was a a uh, very good choice
1: okay so switching gears a little bit um so in your career you you were able to uh interview players you, you did the uh, booth but you also did uh i don't, I don't know if it's called sideline reporting and baseball but uh we we called it field level commentator field level. Uh, and not a reporter because i didn't usually run
0: around the seats uh, i did a few of those things but usually we had for home games we had another one at, uh, another lady that's uh, patty smith used to run around in the stands okay. and i pretty much stayed put as a sideline commentator and the same thing on the road but yeah, I've done all those roles. I've been the play-by-play guy on radio and TV. I've done the uh, analysis of the number two job on both radio and TV. and I've done the uh, sideline and even the pregame hosting and post-game hosting. So pretty much filled all the jobs at one time or another.
1: So what I was going to ask about was the, uh, the field-level reporting. You, you were able to interview some uh, really famous uh, baseball players, right?
0: Well, yeah, uh, it depended on what year it was, because some years, a little inside story here, some years our people never wanted me to talk to anybody on the other team. And in other years, it didn't matter. So it just depended on which way whoever it was who was calling the shots got out of bed that spring. But uh, yeah, I got a lot of different people.
1: Okay, so my question I have for you is, uh, since you've had the... uh, job where you're able to talk to these guys that i would probably just be nervous wreck around them i was wondering like is there anyone that you would get starstruck by like you would be amazed like you know hey this is so and so or whatever
0: no i that never i i always from the start of my career in business i always just said they're players and i'm someone who's supposed to talk to them and that's uh I, no, I never did. I, I can't think of any player that ever... Um, um, I can't. I mean, I, I can tell you some that were easier to deal with than others, and I can tell some that I didn't particularly care about uh, uh, dealing with. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 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 I can tell some, some great ones that I really enjoyed talking to and some guys who would help you out in a pinch if you were needing an interview. And uh, uh, But as far as being uh, really in awe of anybody? No, there really wasn't anybody. I'm trying to think back when I was a kid. If there was any, I don't even think there were players when I was a kid that I would have been in awe of because when we used to go to baseball games when I was a kid, uh, I was up in central Indiana. We go to Crosley Field in, in uh, Cincinnati and I would go with my friend. My friend just loved to get up close to the players and get autographs and all that stuff. I never bothered. I wanted to watch batting practice because in those days they let you in a lot earlier than they let you in now and you could actually catch both teams full batting practice and I always was watching batting practice and he was running around behind the seats and where the guys came out of the clubhouse and all that stuff. I never cared about right. that. So yes I was never in awe of any uh, anybody that I ever interviewed. Oh, they're, just, so you know, they're just you talk baseball with them, they you're talking the same language.
1: So it's pretty much probably just your personality then.
0: Probably. Uh, but as I said, I was always more a fan of the game itself than, uh, than the people who played it. Uh, I guess maybe that's the way I, I would put it, because I played it through high school and right. freshman year in college. And so the game itself is what I was more in, in, in love with than actually the players, because the players, they do come and go.
1: Okay, uh, so I mean, is there anyone now, not really sports figures, but just anyone that, like if you met them, if you went to some charity thing and, and you met someone and you, you would be amazed that you were able to meet them. Is there anyone that you could think of?
0: No, I've, I've interviewed two presidents. Uh, <laughs> and, but, you know, they were both involved with baseball. I mean, I, I interviewed both, both Bushes uh, in Houston when uh, Daddy Bush brought son Bush to an Astros game. This was when one was, I think George uh, W. was the governor at that point. And, hmm. uh, and and George H W who was a former president, so I you know I've talked to them, and uh, uh, so I'd have to say no. I'm very blasé on that. I must admit, I'm yeah. not uh, not uh, not enamored with anyone.
1: Oh, okay, that's cool. All right, so uh, the other day I was looking at your uh, I guess it's your website, right? You have your own website.
0: Oh yeah, but it's never updated. I'm almost about to let it expire. I, I got it originally when I wrote my first book and then I really didn't use it much. So I don't know, but yeah, it's there. <laughs> it's it's about a bio of me and I think it's got one thing on there that I wrote I'm not even sure what I, what it was, the last topic I wrote on there, but
1: uh, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't update it enough to make it
1: very okay. valuable. So I was going through some of the things that you put on there and, uh, one thing I was already laying in bed ready to call it a night and I had seen the uh credits or I guess your your Hollywood movie history when you oh, were yeah. at, when you were in Glory Road and uh you listed yourself as Iowa announcer too so I that's I, what I was in the- <laughs> So I got on the movie and I fast I fast forwarded to that to that part and I was just waiting and waiting and I was like, oh, "That's that, sure. you know, that's not him talking." And then finally, you popped up at the end of the game. Do you remember what you said? Oh, I'll
0: never forget it. That's <laughs> the fire and the dogs. Who's Texas Western? Well, the Hawkeyes know. Uh, it's funny when we taped that or when we filmed that. My partner had something to say too. He got cut out of the movie. In fact, we both had two segments of things to say. Uh, one that was before the game, and then the one that I that got on afterwards. And I was talking to some people, and I said, "Well, you know, they'll they'll cut they, when they do movies. There's a lot of lines that get cut out, and sometimes whole whole characters get dropped." And I said, "Well, I was confident that my lines get in because it was so hokey."
1: Yeah. I
0: said they surely won't cut that out. And then I I told that story to uh, Bill Worrell, <laughs> who uh, has been announcer over here for a long time, and he's still does some Rockets home games. And and he said, "Well, you know the where that line came from." And I said, "What do you know? What do you mean?" He says, "Well." It's really piss on the fire and call in the dogs. And they said, uh, douse the fire and call in the dogs. So they, they just cleaned it up, but it was a Disney movie.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what I saw it on. I saw it on Disney Plus on my phone. Yeah, it's a Disney, it's a, Disney produced it. And they did uh, those scenes were all done in
0: New Orleans. They had a high school gym that represented North Texas or West Texas. And mm-hmm. it was uh, one of those places the next year got totally destroyed by Katrina. So, uh, but uh, we did it in 2004.
1: So that's the question I was going to ask. How did this happen? How did this...
0: Well, I'm a member of the American Sportscasters Association, and Lou, uh, Lou, the guy that runs the place out of New York, I've known him for a long time, talked to him every so often, and, and he got contacted by the producers of the movie. Wanted, they wanted some guys to play sports announcers that lived in the general region of uh, of New Orleans. And so he thought of me, got me in touch with the casting director. Casting director wanted me to just videotape something at home. They, they sent me one of the a set of lines, even though the lines they sent me were actually not the part of Atlanta up playing. But I did it, did it on a videotape, sent it to them. And then uh, I was up in Montreal, I think with the Astros and I got a call. My wife had relayed it and they wanted to know if I could be such and such at a certain time. And they want me to do it. And I said, yeah, sure. So I, uh, I flew into, uh, uh, New Orleans, and uh, first day was what the, was wardrobe. I had to, the I had a chauffeur who was actually taking me around because I was technically what they call a featured performer because I had lines, uh-huh. and even though my part was like ten seconds long, what you heard, uh-huh. I actually had lines, and so I was a featured performer. And I had a guy drive me around to the cast to the costume place, they checked me all out, and then he took me to the set, which was basically on the this one high school area. And they had all these these trailers out parked in one of the parking lots and there was one that I was for me it was a half a trailer it had my uh, my costume would be taken there and there was a sink and a TV and a little bed to rest rest on and it was just like you see you know guys have yeah. and uh, they came around and, and the day I the next day they knocked some guy came just go to your trailer and they' call you and went oh well the other thing was they put me up in a hotel and then they had a, a, a limo come around in the morning to pick up all the members of the cast that were uh, were in there. And, uh, golly, Red, uh, what's his last name? He played the assistant coach. I remember his backstory was he was it was Presley bodyguard for years. Red, I can't think of his last name, but he was on in the, in the limo. And hmm. uh, DeChanel, the not Zoe, but her sister who was on that Bones TV show, she played the wife of the head coach. She was in the in the limo, and I'm in there. Uh-huh. And it took us all to the set. We're going to go to our trailers. we go in there, put the, put the costumes on, and they say, well, there'll be a guy coming around knocking on the trailer and taking you down to, to uh, makeup. Take you down to makeup. They actually made me up, and they cut my hair a little bit and then, <laughs> then took me into the gym. They had a place for me to sit. It was the bouncer spot, And for the first time, four days all myself and my partner did was sit there and it, we were in the backgrounds, deep backgrounds of the action footage they were filming and watching them shoot the action footage on the court was very instructive because it really and then when you saw the final product you, it really looked real and yet they were doing it in pieces and they had a handheld camera getting in there and they were it was it was great to see how they put that thing together and then uh Oh, uh, when it was time to eat, because we were featured players, we got to eat with the Big East, you know, in China, and uh, yeah. down there on the end of the event, the, the stars were, uh, and all the extras were down on paper plates on the other end, and uh, anyway, we, we were there for four days, and they've been running behind, so they asked us if we could stay over the weekend, yeah, sure, it's all going to be overtime anyway, Yeah. so Monday is the day that we actually did the line. And I did the lines, and, uh, and, and my partner did his lines, and his all got cut out of the movie, and mine, the house of fires got in. And <laughs> the, guy that, the guy that plays the radio announcer for Texas Western is a well-known audio engineer in Houston, and in fact, he works almost all the pro teams, uh, games, usually for the visitors, as an audio engineer. But he had a, a significant part in that movie. I run into him every so often. He's asking me, you're still getting residual checks? And I said, yeah, I got $126 last year. Wow. And, uh, uh you know, yeah, it still pays. I get a <laughs> check from Disney, uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's usually about 35 bucks, and then they take out the taxes and it's $22 or something. And I'll get enough for 100 and some dollars each year. And that's for, golly, that was 2004. So 16 years, residuals are a good thing. Man. <laughs> And the movie itself, when you figure the overtime, because I was paying getting paid a scale uh, dollars per day. And then we had overtime and then the number of years, uh, the overtime added up. I mean, for those eight seconds, I know I paid five figures. Uh, And so movies do spend a lot of money. I would say that. And uh, but that was the story of Glory Road. And uh, I didn't miss. I think I may have missed. I think it was one road trip I didn't go on because the, it was going to go in conflict, but in those days, I wasn't necessarily going on every road trip anyway, so I just decided I wasn't going to go to Cincinnati, and uh, I went over to New Orleans instead and, and huh. did, that, uh, did that part in the movie, so that, 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 that was fun, that was fun.
1: Well, I appreciate you sharing that story with me. We are down to 45 seconds of recording space, but uh, that was fun. I think we could have went longer can do it again. You know, all I got to do is
0: give me a call, and we'll be glad to talk. Maybe after the baseball season starts, we might have some real sports to talk about.
1: Okay. Well, I'll definitely let you know, and I appreciate you joining me, sir. It's fun. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Be sure to subscribe so you'll be alerted when there's a new podcast. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Rob Fontenot. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next time.